the 2001 New England Patriots, the team that started an NFL dynasty. In a season full of dramatic twists and turns on and off the field, the upstart Pats shocked the world, redefining what it meant to be a team and a Patriot. 20 years and six Super Bowl championships later, we're revisiting that historic season, hearing from different perspectives that were there to witness it firsthand and tell the tale. From players to coaches, local and national media, and even some fans, mixed with some of the most iconic sounds that define the season, it will be a unique six-part journey back as we follow the roots of the Patriots dynasty to the one championship that started it all. We are all Patriots, and tonight the Patriots are world champions. I'm Mike Dussault, and this is 2001, a Super Bowl sound odyssey. Episode 1, Dawn of the Dynasty. Twin receivers to the far side right, Bledsoe rolls to his right, looking up the field, looking up the field, going to run with it, and... It... The 2000 Patriots finished 5-11 and in their first season under head coach Bill Belichick and quarterback Drew Bledsoe. What a play by Bledsoe! Just five short years removed from the second Super Bowl appearance in franchise history, the Patriots were looking to get back on the upswing as owner Robert Kraft prepared to unveil a new stadium in Foxborough. And just outside the gates of Foxborough as a pile of dirt was transformed into the framework for a state-of-the-art new stadium. Even the NFL Films yearbook, recapping the season, usually ones to paint the rosiest picture possible, saw the Patriots as a ways off from being championship contenders. 2000 turned out to be a year of transition, not a title run. But instead of breaking their spirit, the season stiffened the Patriots' resolve. The first major move of the offseason was signing Bledsoe to a 10-year, $103 million deal that appeared to cement the former first overall pick as the long-term quarterback. New England signed Drew Bledsoe to a 10-year, $103 million deal. With the franchise quarterback in place, Belichick and Scott Pioli set out to rebuild the team around Bledsoe with some select veteran pieces. Scott Pioli, Patriots Director of Player Personnel. The core philosophy was that we were going to go out and find good players that maybe weren't household names at, you know, good contracts. What we were going to try to do was bring in good players that fit Bill's system, that we were giving an opportunity to, and if they succeeded, we were going to reward them. So, you know, the core philosophy was to go out and get good football players that could play in Bill's system, but also be a part of the culture that we were creating. Um, because the culture is extremely demanding. Everybody just do your job! It's exhausting. I can't stand it. Run it again. Huddle up and run it again, Brady. Um, and it's rewarding. And the Patriots are Super Bowl champions! Paul Perillo, Patriots Football Weekly. I think that the team obviously needed an infusion of talent, and they needed it across the board, really on all levels. I thought I felt like they got a little bit old. They had that success in the 90s, and they had a young core of talent. You know, we know we know all those guys. You know, McGinnis and 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 that group, Brewski, Johnson, Law, Bledsoe. They had you know Troy Brown was still there, so they had some talent to work with. But I thought there was no real middle class. And when you think about the Patriots over the last 20 years, that's where a lot of people credited uh, their success was, you know, how they really took care of the middle class. Tom E. Curran, Metro West Daily News. Now, Bill Belichick had been in New York. He had been in New England previously. And while he was in New York, he found it very simple to defend Drew Bledsoe as a defensive coordinator. And the numbers bear that out. What the Patriots needed, as CMGI Field was being built, all on the Kraft's dime, 
was somebody to rally around. And after a declining post-tuna period, and then Belichick coming in and going 5-11, and 11, they needed stability to sell. And Drew Bledsoe provided that. If the Patriots fully and completely believed in Drew Bledsoe, they wouldn't have put so many trap doors in his contract, which the team was able to exercise very quickly. And I'd watched Bledsoe over the years. He had become very world-weary. Patriots had cycled through offensive coordinators. They had cycled through head coaches. He had gone post-parcels to the kind and gentle hand of Pete Carroll, and the whole team just acted like he was a substitute teacher. And Belichick coming in and the way he did, I think Bledsoe was probably of my look. Not actively undermining Belichick, but look, this is not, I got three kids at home, I got a wife, this is... All right, I'll do what you want, but I'm really not suited for uh, an up-tempo, spread the ball around, be Steve Nash kind of player. Mike Reese, Metro West Daily News. So the first thing that comes to mind is new stadium, like shovels already in the ground, and you know you got you got this quarterback that is going to get this big contract, right? Like the the ten year, hundred million, whatever the contract was. So my first thought was like, whether Belichick's here, like the direction, like the quarterback, like this is the franchise quarterback. That was the thought. Like they're going to put him on the stadium. Like that's the picture you're going to see when you're coming up to the new stadium. So my thoughts at that time weren't so much about like Drew, how's he going to mesh with Bill Belichick? It was probably, to be honest, more the, the reverse, like like, they got the quarterback. Hopefully the coach is going to be okay here. Offensively, the team made additions at every position group to build around Bledsoe, with fullback Mark Edwards, guard Mike Compton, receiver David Patton, and tight end Jermaine Wiggins signing on in the initial weeks of free agency. All would play key roles in the championship run. But the biggest impact on offense might have come from running back Antoine Smith, a former Buffalo Bill who wasn't signed until early June. Damian Woody, offensive lineman. I thought Antoine Smith was... To me, in my opinion, was a, was a big addition. He was big back that, you know, we wanted to be physical up front and run the football. And coming over from Buffalo, um, this was a guy that, that was a bruiser and could, and could make things happen after the after contact. Antoine Smith breaking the tackle of Turner. It's a foot race with Harvey. He's in for the Buffalo touchdown. Scott Pioli. Yeah, well, I'll say starting with Antoine Smith, you know, you have to remember we had been at the Jets the three previous years. So we saw him up at Buffalo and we saw what kind of runner he was. We saw how strong he was. We saw how tough he was, you know, and that was very much what we wanted to have on the grass in Foxborough, you know, in in, in old Foxborough Stadium, you know, in terms of playing football in late, you know, in late November, December, and hopefully January. So we got what we hoped for out of Antoine and, quite honestly, a a little bit more um, because he really embraced everything that we were trying to do. 17-yard run on the first down for Antoine Smith. Antoine Smith, running back. I came in on a visit. I was walking down the stairs, and I I see Lawyer. Picked off by the Patriots, falling to the ground at the 50-yard line is Lawyer Malloy. He was like, what's up, big fella? You might as well. Come on, join us, man. <laughs> I don't need to go nowhere else. So, you know, I kind of just, you know, we sat down and I, um, you know, had a talk, talk with Bill, talk with Charlie Weiss, and um, 
you know, they just, you know, say, well, you know, you can come in, you'll have a chance to compete, you know, for the starting job, you know, because Robert Edwards, he was, he was hurt. Smith's power was complemented by the speed of David Patton at wide receiver, the sure hands of tight end Jermaine Wiggins, and the throwback toughness of offensive lineman Joe Andrusi, all of whom would play big parts in the championship season. Now Antoine Smith is offset as the right half. Three receivers to the near side left for Brady. First and goal at the Ram 10. Brady back to throw, looks, looks, fires, end zone, touchdown! to David Patton. Paul Perillo. I looked right away at David Patton, and this guy could just fly. You could see it in, in training camp. You could see uh, his ability to stretch the field was going to be there. And at the time, we didn't know that Terry Glenn was going to be such an insignificant part of that 2001 season. But to have Patton there with Glenn and Mr. Reliable and Troy Brown, you're like, okay, I see what they're doing now. They have the makings of a receiving core. I thought the offense would be much better. Uh, didn't know necessarily how much better, but I thought they had a chance to be much improved. Jermaine Wiggins, tight end. Well, it's funny because I, I was with uh, Belichick and with the Jets my rookie year. So I was able to kind of build a relationship with him in the sense that, you know, I was there with him every day at practice. Parcells was the head coach, you know, and so I'd always ask Bill a bunch of questions about defense, you know, to help me on offense to, to, to make me a better route runner. Good determination shown by Wiggins for the touchdown. I mean, it wasn't like I was, you know, looking at a bunch of other teams. You know, New England gave me this, the, you know, said, hey, we want to re-sign you, and I jumped on it, and I think at that time it was like for the whatever the minimum was. And um, But for me it was just, you know, I'm going to have an opportunity to finally get a chance to play. Touchdown, Jermaine Wiggins! Joe Andrusi, offensive lineman. Uh, a workhorse guy, old school, brought my lunch pail to work, and... You know, kids work every day off season, and then when they sign you a bunch of these guys, you learn who you got around you, and just keep working on what I can do. The old do your do your job type of thing was, you know, I know Bill, you know, says it, but it's prelude of uh, what he had there as a team. Damian Woody, offensive lineman. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, there was a quiet optimism um, going into that season because, quite honestly, 2000 was. Man, 2000 was, was rough. Back to throw, Bledsoe fires over the middle of his incomplete. Oh, it is intercepted by Zach Thomas. Off the hands of a Patriot and picked off by Thomas. Wow. Off the hands of the intended receiver, bounced in the air, and Zach Thomas made the interception, and Miami has it around their own 24-25 yard line. It was rough, and, and, and you know, obviously when you, you know, bring in a new coach and he wants to set the new culture, new tempo, um, it was just a rough season, so, you know, I, I feel like, okay, the table has been set, you know, like you talked about Drew signed, you know, Drew signed that, you know, $100 million deal, um, you know, we knew our defense was was going to be legit, offensively, we, you know, we weren't the most skilled people on offense, but we knew that, um, you know, we had some, we had pieces on offense. Um, and obviously, when you when you're stable at the quarterback position, that's a huge that's a huge plus. Defensively, the Patriots had a number of core pieces already, especially at the second and third levels, where linebackers Teddy Bruschi, Willie McGinnis, and Ted Johnson had all already played in a Super Bowl. While the secondary was led by Ty Law and Lawyer Malloy, two of the best at their positions in the league, still the defensive staff wasted no time getting a jump on the 2001 offseason. Rob Ryan, linebackers coach. And I remember uh, asking Belichick if, you know, if I could go, uh, you know, watch Rex in the Super Bowl. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Super Bowl 35. 
because he was with the Ravens. He's like, yeah, you know, it's a chance in a lifetime. Go out there. Okay. So I remember doing that. But I remember during the week, I was working longer in the office than Rex was. And he was getting ready for the Super Bowl. The solidification of the defense began as Mike Vrabel was brought in at the start of free agency, while Anthony Pleasant would join him shortly after. Never ignored, the special teams were targeted as well, with Larry Izzo and long snapper Lonnie Paxton being under-the-radar signings that would go on to contribute to multiple championships. But some of the biggest additions would come later in the process, with Brian Cox signing at the start of training camp and Roman Pfeiffer joining him a few days later. That would prove to be a critical core for multiple championships, as a versatile front seven would become a hallmark of the next two decades. Scott Pioli. Well, in addition to Roman Pfeiffer, Mike Vrabel, and Brian Cox, remember we already had Willie McGinnis. Hit again and sacked back at the 15-yard line. The steady pressure that time from Willie McGinnis. We already had Ted Johnson. Turning left, he is met by Ted Johnson for a loss. Bringing in guys like Pfeiffer and Teddy Bruschi, of course. Leaping in the air was Teddy Bruschi. All right. We brought in three more guys that had versatility that allowed us to do so many different things give a lot of different looks, and they were players that could play outside, inside. They had position flexibility, and it allowed Bill to do things on defense. Rob Ryan. We kept putting all these packages in as the year went along, and uh, like the Cali package. The Cali package was McGinnis, Bruschi, and Pfeiffer together uh, because they were, they were all from California or close enough, you know, so we put them all on the field together. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And then we, we were so multiple, we did all kinds of different fronts and 3-4 and then 4-3. We had, you know, Willie playing end. I mean, we, we kept mixing uh, mixing a lot up, and, and uh, we had a ton of success with that. That's it. Good job. Good job. For Vrabel, who would emerge as a key member of the Patriots' defense for the next eight seasons, there wasn't much question where he was headed. Mike Vrabel, linebacker. The process was... Um, very easy. There weren't many suitors. Pittsburgh was interested in bringing me back. The Packers had mentioned something, and the New England Patriots uh, took a visit there, got to the airport. I think rode the car with uh, Larry Izzo and Anthony Pleasant. Uh, went to dinner, met, and uh, decided to uh, went back. Decided to, to sign a contract there for. You know, I always joke about it. My signing bonus was less than what I got when I got drafted, but. Like Bill Cowher told me, he wanted to have me back, but then he could pay me what the Patriots are paying me. It was just that he couldn't give me the afford me the opportunity that the Patriots were going to be able to present, which was an opportunity to start and to play more significant time um, on defense. And so I took the opportunity, as did a lot of other guys. I mean, there were so many new free agents and so many guys that came in. Rob Ryan. When we brought Vrabel in, uh, I told him this. I brought him in, and you know, we we he got in there early, so we worked shoot every day for two months, studying, knowing what to do. Um, even you know, back then you could work a little on the field stuff. But he was. Uh, I told him this. I said, you know, Braves, you got to be a great player for us, a starter, <clears throat> or we're both going to get fired. And then he knew the defense better than anybody once we started, but. Uh, and he was so vocal. He was such a smart player, typical uh, of the Patriots. Oh, and it's intercepted by Mike Vrabel at the 20, at the 15, and it's down at the 10-yard line. Matt Chatham, linebacker and special teamer. All right, you know, the, the old practice bubble. And it was just Rob Ryan, uh, 
Mike and myself. And, you know, Mike's been at another place for a few years, uh, you know, big-time player at Ohio State and all that. And I'm just small-town guy that, you know, kind of likes to mix it up and fight or whatever on the football field that's just trying to prove he should have a gig. And they had Mike and I going one-on-one, you know, non-padded, so it's not like a real live situation, but probably more than either of us, you know. We, we, we both are very, very competitive people. <laughs> We're out in the middle of the, the bubble in whatever that is in the offseason, doing sort of, uh, you know, just punching each other in the chest. You know, it, it was just uh, sort of the nature of the beast back then. You, you're all you're all desperately fighting for a job, and you kind of understand that nothing guarantees. Pepper Johnson, linebacker's coach. Rob Ryan and I had a, a great little one-two punch. Um, Rob was... Uh, like we we treated we didn't treat the linebackers um, separate. We didn't try to we didn't meet with them separate. We treated the inside guys and outside guys. Um, you know we met with them in the same room. And what Rob would do, Rob would set them up. In the first so let's let's start the week off. Those guys come in, and Rob would um, introduce them to the um, to the game plan. Um, to the different defenses we're calling and, and all that stuff like that. And then I would step in and now the techniques and what we expect and how to play this and what to look for. That was my expertise and, and that was our role. So we, we kind of gave them that one-two punch and would high-five after after every meeting. After putting together a rock-solid free agent class that would only get better with further additions in the summer, Patriots turned their attention to the draft, where they owned the sixth overall pick and the chance to add an impact player. While free agency filled many needs, adding top-end talent was a must. For this, the 66th annual NFL selection meeting, which in English we should translate as the NFL draft. Tom E. Kern. To me, there was so much conversation about getting weapons for Drew, weapons for Drew, whether it be David Terrell or um, there were a number of first-round wide receivers who were coming in that year who you know, merited conversation. I think Corin Robinson was another. But the culture was changing so rapidly. And you sense that as someone who was around the team, whether it be in training camp or just covering the team in Bill Belichick's press conferences, which if you look back and they can find them right on Patriots.com, they are unbelievably insightful and detailed and open and candid. My job is to make the decisions for the football team. And that's what I'm going to do. I thought the team was headed in a, in a great direction throughout the offseason, even prior to training camp. Scott Pioli. We didn't feel like that we necessarily had a roster full of starting caliber players. And going into that draft was we knew that we needed to draft young players that were going to be significant upgrades on both sides of the line, offensive line and defensive line. And, um, you know, Richard Seymour, we picked sixth overall. Richard was a player that we spent a lot of time on. You know, actually, the two, two of the best defensive linemen in that draft were at the University of Georgia. He was a, a player that Bill really, really, really liked for so many reasons. And it was not just his playing ability. I mean, he was the perfect character player. He was a hard worker. He had all the makeup of a guy that, you know, we wanted to have in our locker room to develop along with some of the other players. Down the field at the 48-yard line was Richard Seymour. Boy. The Patriots' terrific rookie first-round draft pick. Richard Seymour, defensive lineman. I was the young guy coming in, right? Like, it was a veteran-laden team. You know, Willie McGinnis and Teddy and, you know, Rabel came in that exact same year that I was there. Um, 
you know, Anthony Plissett, um, Bobby Hamilton, Otis, O-T-I, you know, O-T-I-S, like Ty Law, you know. Like, I could just keep going because, like, those are my guys. And, you know, like I was the – but, like, I was the young, talented guy that came in, but, um, like, I was just able to soak up so much um, knowledge. You know, I, I remember when I was being recruited – well, not even recruited. I'll say this. Being scouted out of the University of Georgia. The pressure on him. He's going to be sacked. And it's Seymour. Do you think that's not big for him? He's a junior in his home, Gadsden, South Carolina. And as a junior, he was elected a team captain. That's a big deal at a school this big. Right. Uh, Lionel Vitale, he comes in and he was, he was asking me, like, uh, could you – uh, play the three-four defensive end because I was an interior guy my full time at Georgia, and he was asking me, "Could you play the three-four defensive end?" And I was like, uh, "Yeah, sure." But at the time, I didn't know if I could play that. I didn't know like <laughs> what they did. I didn't know nothing about two gapping. I just, you know what? If it's on the football field and it's on the defensive line, yeah, I can do it. Scott Pioli. That in the second round, we had our eyes on Matt Light and. I reached out to Matt Light in the draft room about three or four picks before we were up and asked him if he had heard anybody. He says, yeah, I'm actually on the phone with the New York Jets. And I think the Jets were at 49. We were at 50. And I, in the draft room, I told Bill, and Bill and I jump on the phones and we're calling people to see if we could trade up ahead of the Jets. And I was talking to Matt Millen. Matt Millen, they were one spot ahead of the Jets. They fear that the Patriots will attempt to trade in front of them. And while Matt Light was on the phone holding with the Jets to their pick, we actually jumped up ahead of the Jets and picked Matt Light while he was on the phone with the Jets. And as we know, Matt went on to be a terrific player for us, but really a key leader along that offensive line for us. Damian Woody. Yeah, I mean, listen, Matt Light was... Um, you know, Matt was a, a big part of it. Obviously, uh, you know, just getting the offensive line stabilized. We had some some had some some really good veterans uh, up front on the offensive line, and you know, I, I knew exactly how Matt Light felt. You know, being a you know with Matt being a second round pick and particularly playing left tackle. You know, I was a first round pick, and there was a lot of veterans, and and so you know, I knew Matt had a lot of pressure on his shoulders, but. You know, Matt was always always a level-headed guy. Didn't take things too seriously, and 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 was a hard worker. So, you know, he really blended in good with the, with the group. And I felt like we we you know we were pretty we were pretty uh, I think I felt like we were pretty good up front on the offensive line. With the team in place, the Patriots opened their final training camp at Bryant College in Rhode Island, their training camp home since 1976. New facilities awaited the team in 2002, including full practice facilities. CMGI Field will feature a main plaza, two full-action video boards, and individual seats throughout. The final summer in Rhode Island would prove to be a memorable one. Mike Reese. Well, so Bryant, it was called Bryant College at the time. What I remember is players on golf carts getting to and from where they needed to go uh, if if they still allowed it at the time. Uh, players riding on the back of golf carts, they're buzzing around. Media members would be waiting outside the cafeteria to corner the players after lunch, you know. Uh, probably had some reporters complaining because we used to be able to eat lunch with the players. I think at that time, maybe Bill Belichick put the fist down and said, we're not going to do that anymore. Picture it like a boxing match, like the year 2000, you're the Patriots, like, you just took so many uppercuts, blows, and hits because you were trying to clean up the cap and the, the talent level 
And like finally, like what I remember to be honest is like they could hit back a little bit. Like they were bringing in some players that, you know, could play professionals and the cap was cleaned up and, you know, guys that had been around, it looked more professional to me is what yeah. I would say. Rob Ryan. Going into Bryant College that second year, you know, we hired Romeo Cornell and we got there a little bit early for training camp and I'm like, man, this is such a grind. And I remember looking up and I turned my lights off and I saw all these stars all over my uh, the ceiling. Well, they were there the year before, but we worked so damn hard I never saw them. <laughs> so... I was like, hell, surely this year's got to be better than the first one. An early joint practice with the New York Giants in training camp proved to be an early turning point for the defense. They lost to the Ravens that year, you know, but they were in the Super Bowl. We're going to scrimmage them at our place, you know, at Bryant College. And, and uh, we had a, an inside run period, and they just mopped the floor with us. I mean, just destroyed us. And at that, that point, then we had a water break, and our our uh, fortune started to turn when, you know, Lawyer was up front. He was, you know, getting after everybody. And then uh, Brian Cox kind of moved him out of the way and said, this is how it's going to be. We're not taking any more ass kickings. We're going to give them out. And when he said that, you could hear a, a, a pin drop. Like guys were like, oh, shit, there's a new sheriff in town. And his leadership was unbelievable. And, uh, you know, and so you think you brought in a, uh, you know, you got the biggest bully in the league. Like, this guy was a badass. And uh, when, when he stepped in like that, that's exactly what we need. Pepper Johnson. I thought Tommy Hamilton and, and Brian Cox were the unsung heroes. That they do not get enough credit for the changing of the guard of that team, and, and especially that defensive unit. Because we kind of walked into a situation where it was uncool to ask questions in the meeting. It was uncool um, to to communicate in those in the meetings and and um, and and show like you really care. But Brian Cox and um, Bobby Hamilton took ownership. And Double Dog dared anybody that didn't agree or didn't look at it that way. Be ready for the situations. And I don't want to hear about what any of the situations are. You just play them. In his second season, Tom Brady turned heads during training camp, but not enough to complete the impossible task of displacing the $100 million quarterback. But the jump by Brady was noticeable and would give the veterans confidence when Brady was thrust into action early in the season. We were concerned about the position just in general. But frankly, we were concerned about Drew at that point as well, based on preseason. Tom E. Curran. The 2001 training camp was interesting because it became very clear very quickly that the quarterback wearing number 12 had more command than the quarterback wearing number 11. And I will never forget watching them run sprint outs and throwing on the run. Neither one of them is particularly adept at it. But Brady was so much faster, had similar velocity, was much more accurate, and his joie de vivre throughout the entire camp was so obvious. Now, there were other things going on as well. There was Terry Glenn drama that was ongoing. Dick Rabine passed away, sadly and tragically, and that actually meant 
Belichick was going to spend more time with the quarterbacks. But there was 100% a sense on my part and the parts of many of the beat writers who were there every day, not the Boston columnists, not maybe even the Providence columnists, people who were watching the practices every day who hadn't decided that Bledsoe was anointed were saying, Brady's playing better. Nick Fitzy Stevens, Patriots fan and personality. But I remember that summer being on Cape Cod, listening to sports radio, Welcome back, and Nelson reading Callahan. the Boston Globe, and there was this buzz. There was like this little positive something. You couldn't put your finger on it, but something already felt different about that season. And it was this Tom Brady guy. Among the last six picks taken, a uh, familiar name if you're a college football fan, Tom Brady. Little did we realize what he was going to become at the time, but there was just this like, it wasn't even a glimmer of hope. It was just, there was something different. He kept hearing that he kept was turning coaches' heads and other players and teammates thought like, this kid is special. And Belichick liked him so much, he kept four quarterbacks the year before. And that's a big deal, even though none of us really know what matters about that. At the same time, it was, it was you know, a worthy conversation to have during a throwaway 5-11-2000 season. This Tom Brady guy, he might be something. He's pushing Bledsoe. Belichick, maybe Belichick's going to make Tom Brady his testaverde, and Bledsoe's going to get the Kozar treatment. Paul Perillo. Yeah, you'd like to say that, uh, you know, Tom Brady coming in, you know, in, in preseason games and playing well was, was foreshadowing things to come, but... I don't think any of us really looked at it that way. We were we were all struck by his improvement from 2000 to 2001, and um, I actually remember talking to him in 2001 a little bit about you know after one of the preseason games, and, and sort of talking to him about his performance. And he I think he was excited about it um, at the time, and you could see some things. But again, you you could sit here and lie and say, well, yeah, you know that day is the day I realized the Patriots were gonna you know, run the table and beat all these teams in all these crazy fashions and, and win a Super Bowl. I don't really think anybody thought of it that way. Joe Andrusi. I mean, nobody, nobody knew what the, what the future was that year. Nobody knew what was going to happen. Uh, you know, especially a guy named Tom Brady. He didn't know what the hell was going on. He didn't, you know, he's still learning how to put his helmet on and uh, <laughs> how, to, how to get out there and, uh, you know, workhorse, but yeah, he's part of the uh, do-your-job type of uh, atmosphere that was brought there. Because he was a guy that uh, pushed himself and made himself better for, you know, himself, his team, and everyone around him. We, whenever we've had our backs against the wall, we've responded. As uh, the offseason came, he pushed himself and worked hard and got bigger, faster, stronger. Well, I don't know how much faster he got, but, you know, he got bigger, <laughs> bigger, stronger. Don Dix go Nick, you know, used to watch we used to watch film and you know, watch Brady you know, run a little bit. He goes, Don't worry about Brady running with the ball. He can't run or have sight in a week. Jermaine Wiggins. I mean it was just like the list of players that we, we had that were veterans and kinda, you know, teaching us how to be better professionals and better football players was it was unbelievable. Uh especially you know, they were on the defensive side of the football and we kinda were built that way. Um, and obviously on offense, you know, it was Bledsoe. So for for us, I think we had high expectations that, you know, we got a lot of talent on this team. Now we just got to put it together on, on the field. Um, and this is what training camp is for, for us to show we had a great offseason working hard. And now let's come together and kind of put this team together and, and put a good team out on the, the field that, you know, can compete. Nick Fitzy Stevens. There wasn't that much optimism. I can't say Patriots fans thought, 2001, this is going to be our year. The way that the season ultimately worked out, it played out 
like one of those triumphant movies where the fans are getting together. Like Major League, the fans are getting together early on. Like, hey, who are these guys? I don't know. There's something about these guys. There's something about this team. I don't know. Who are these guys? Still wasn't their town. We weren't a football town yet. It was still the Red Sox. And it was a baseball town. Can you believe it? But if the Pats could get their act together and get their asses in gear, they could make an impact. Little did we realize that it would take one of the greatest on-field impacts of all time with arguably one of the five greatest players in franchise history. The medical staff immediately over to check on Bledsoe. Chris Berman, ESPN. Well, nobody really... Um expected unbelievable great things. Anybody that said they, they, they would, I mean, from the outside, would be lying. Um, but here's what I did know. I had gotten to know Bill a very little bit when he was with Coach Parcells at the, the Giants. Yeah, I know he was looking on uh, this uh, side. Bill, here, before you start telling about plays, you better, you better tell him that we alert for the hurry up. Now. We got it, Bill. We've already yeah. been over. Um, and then a little bit later, um, we had a long talk at a Pro Bowl out in Hawaii in the late 90s, and and I knew him with the Browns, and I, I knew he was an outstanding football mind. The Patriots were, what, 5-11 and 11 the year before, and the league was just figuring out the whole buy thing, and if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> the original schedule had the Patriots with the buy the last week. Like, we don't have that now. The last few weeks, no one gets a buy, but I... I pretty sure that the Patriots were scheduled to play 16 games and then you're off the last week and that meant that nobody thought they had a chance to be a playoff team or to be anything special at least in the spring and the summer before I, I find that fascinating Paul Perillo when you saw them play on the practice field compared to the year before I, I just thought it was night and day it, there was a lot you know, there was a lot more talent and there was a lot uh, lot more depth. You could see the improvement was apparent. And you could see that this, this team is going to be better. I don't know how much better, but they absolutely looked like a playoff team when you saw them in training camp. I don't think anybody envisioned them being a Super Bowl team, but you could see this team putting things together, and if things broke right, they could make the playoffs. The Patriots are Super Bowl hey! champions, the best team in the National hey! Football League. <laughs> Next time on 2001, a Super Bowl sound odyssey. The Patriots' season and the country are rocked by a national tragedy, and after a life-threatening injury to their star quarterback, things will never be the same. 2001, a Super Bowl sound odyssey was produced by Mike Dussault with audio engineer Matt Morell for Patriots.com. Can't get enough Patriots 2001 content? Relive the historic year by following the Patriots Time Machine, a social media account 20 years after its time, following the Patriots 2001 season as if it were happening live. See daily transactions, watch game highlights, and go back in time to the start of the Patriots Super Bowl dynasty. Follow along on Twitter and Instagram at Pat's Time Machine.